morning, South Creek. Do I sound really loud to you? Am I too loud, Brian? I feel loud, but hey, it's a great day to be alive, isn't it? It's a great day to be alive. We have had six days today, so far today, without rain. Yeah, and uh, so thankful. We're driving through the countryside, and um, Becky and I were really paying special notice to the farmers, to the land, to the, the planting. And um, there are some cornfields that are going to be knee-high by the 4th of July. So just praising God and thanking Him for that. Um, I'm also thanking Him that Dan, who uh, mentioned somewhere early in the service this morning that I was going to be speaking. And when I got up and you guys are still here, (laughs) I'm like, seriously, you guys are so kind, so forgiving. How about trusting? So um, I'm going to say probably uh, sometime in the last four to six months, God has really... Uh, spoke to me about giving this message. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, I really thought that this message that he asked me to deliver was going to be at Huddle. And a lot of you guys know what Huddle is because Huddle uh, is a group of men that meets every Wednesday at the local YMCA. And some of my good brothers that are in this service this morning are there and sit with me at a table and share a table. And it's a great thing, a wonderful thing. It's been going on for about 15 years in Kokomo. Um, and it will start up Labor Day and goes till mid-May usually. So a couple of leaders had come to me uh, and asked me if I would share this coming year. And I didn't hesitate to say yes, which I usually don't anyway, but I already knew what the message was going to be. I, I at least knew what I was supposed to talk about, hadn't formulated all the ideas and thoughts and scriptures to incorporate it, but... Um, Weird thing is, uh, I had that all settled in my mind and my heart. That was what was going to happen. And then a few weeks ago, Aaron asked me uh, to speak. And at about that same time, within a couple of days, I got a call from um, Tim Nolan, who's one of the leaders, uh, great guy. He says, hey, um, and he had told me that I could speak on anything I wanted to at all. So I said, okay, that sounds cool. I can do that because I feel like I already know what I'm supposed to share. So he calls me within that same time frame that Pastor Aaron asked me to speak today. And uh, he said, I would like for you and Taff, now Taff's not here today. A lot of you know Bruce Tafflinger, great helper with the upward basketball, and Coach Taff, loves kids and loves to coach and teach. He asked us to come. He said, I would like for you guys to come and share about friendship. We've been friends since we were probably 11, 12 years old, and we are seasoned. I learned that word. This past week, I got called a seasoned person. I said, man, I like that. Because you think about food without seasoning, it's not that good. So we, Becky, you and I are seasoned. I said, man, I'm going to use that a lot. I like that word, seasoned. That's a good thing. So we're going to talk at Huddle about uh, friendship. Sean, Alan, anybody else? Uh, I don't know when 
probably sometime in the first semester. And the ups and downs, the ins and outs, and the goods and the bad and the ugly uh, that comes along with relationships and friendships. And we've had a lot of experience in that, so we're going to share that with the huddle. So there you go. But today, the message I thought I was going to give is about trust. Trust. So Aaron trusted me to come up and share. So keeping with that trust, you know how he usually shares something are we taping this? <laughs> he shares something goofy. Is that a good word? Uh, so I'm going to keep with that tradition. I'm going to share something goofy this morning, and it's sports-related. He usually does something sports-related and, and makes reference to his NBA shortness, prowess, lack thereof. <laughs> and uh, today, what I want to share is, question how many of you by a show of hands know there's only one sport one sport of all the sports that is mentioned in the bible anybody know that y'all need to read your bible because it's in genesis chapter one verse one my personal favorite sport to watch i have a favorite team to watch it says in the beginning in the beginning in the beginning, three times y'all got it the third time. <laughs> Genesis chapter one, verse one. What's that tell you? Baseball is God's choice and he loves the Cubs. Amen. I got an amen already. Thank you, Lord. So seriously, um, question. Can you throw that up for me, Ryan, that question? I want to. I want you to ponder and think about this question. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? You could even say, what do you trust? Because there's a bunch of people out there. Recognize, I've only had this thing about a year, so I don't know much about it. But I see a lot of people spend a lot of time developing a relationship with this technology. There's a lot of people that believe anything that's said on here, whether it's Facebook, Messenger, Twitter, Instagram. I don't have that. I accidentally got Facebook when I was signed up for Twitter. How does that happen? (laughs) You're laughing because you know that's true. I think you might have been there, Megan, when I was. Megan, how are you in here? You're supposed to be with the kids. They're on their own. (laughs) We're talking about trust. I'm not sure that's a good idea. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Is it people, places, and things? People, places, and things. Can you trust people, places, and things? Is that your source of your trust? Do you fully rely on people, places, and things? And then here's the last question in regard to that. Have those people, places, and things ever let you down? Okay, I see a couple of heads nodding. The rest of you catch up. So in my family, and we're going to talk a little bit about dysfunctional families because we're also keeping with the theme of Genesis. Uh, in Genesis 25, all the way through verses 30, or chapter 37, there's 12 chapters devoted to Jacob. Jacob came from a very dysfunctional family. So I want to ask today, and I'm going to share some 
highlights of Jacob's story. Not all 12 chapters. We don't have that kind of time. Uh, but I'm going to encourage you to read those 12 chapters, 25 through 37, to see in your life, how do you relate to Jacob? Because I think that we can all relate in some way or another. One of the first things mentioned in commentary about Jacob is coming from a dysfunctional family. I was going to ask by a show of hands, but I won't do it. How many of y'all come from a dysfunctional family? Every hand should go up because there are no perfect families. It's just a matter of a degree of how dysfunctional was your family. In my particular family, there were unwritten rules. And, and one of those rules was don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. Those are not good rules. When I was a kid growing up, you don't talk about your stuff outside of your family. You don't trust anyone because everybody's out to get you or take what you've got. And then don't feel. You shouldn't feel that way. Nobody should feel that way. Why do you feel that way? Do you hear that dysfunctionalism coming out of those, those things, out of those rules? That's dysfunctional. So who do you trust? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Becky. Yesterday we're, she said, uh oh. Yesterday we took a little drive and we're coming home. Like I said, we're checking out the fields, but we took an old route. Your fault. This time because she said, aren't you tired of going the same old way, 26 to 9 and into Anderson? And so we took the back road and I happened to turn on a road. Highway 128 off of 9. Anybody ever been on 128? I mean, it goes through the countryside. It's a nice road. And Becky and I took that road on bicycles from Anderson University. And I talked her into, she trusted me. Do you know this story? Oh, you do. I'm probably going to get in trouble later. So Becky trusted me, and we had bikes, and we rode them around campus. Oh, we didn't train But I said, it's a beautiful Saturday. It was a spring day, I think, in April, maybe late March. (laughs) But it was a beautiful day. I said, let's ride to Kokomo. She said, oh, that's a great idea. I think we packed up some food. And we had, she said, I trust you, Chuck. You didn't say it, but I know you did. It was implied. You're going to get me there. (laughs) You're my man. So we hop on our little, uh, they weren't very expensive bikes either, little skinny tires and little skinny seats, and we're going to drive, we're going to ride 50 miles. Oh, my gosh. We got to Highway 28, and we crossed 37, and on the right-hand side, there was a dog coming up out of the yard, <laughs> and uh, the dog chose to attack my wife. <laughs> I don't think I did a very good job of protecting you or come to your, did I? I don't remember that, but I remember you getting bit. So now we're worried about rabies and we are five miles into a 50 mile journey, <laughs> right? I don't know. Did the dog drew blood? Anyway, the point is, long story short, she trusted me and why she married me and we've been married 41 years is only got to be a God thing, right? Praise God. Because I messed up a lot and I still mess up. But my point is, who do you trust? Are you trusting people, places, and things? 
because what I believe and what I'm going to share with you today is our trust needs to be elsewhere. Our, our trust can be in those resources that God provides, but the reality is there's only one source. I upset one person already. Come back. So, who do you trust? Who is your source that you can trust? And who is your provider of resources? Okay, so, Reader's Digest version of uh, Jacob. Ryan, Reader's Digest. How many people still? Is there still Reader's Digest? Young people? No? What's a Reader's Digest, right? That used to be a really popular little, uh, what would you call it? Had lots of great stories and short stories. I even wrote one and sent it in about our kids one time and thought I'd make a little spare change. They didn't accept it. It was still a great story. Just Reader's Digest never published it. So the Reader's Digest version, meaning short version of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac and Rebekah. He was the twin brother of Esau and nephew to Laban. And again, I share 12 chapters devoted to this guy, so he must have been pretty important for God to get the message across to give that much word. So some notable points. Even by today's standards, when you think of dysfunctional family, uh, Jacob's family was really very dysfunctional. So see if you can relate to any of these other traits of Jacob. He was famous for being a master manipulator. He manipulated his brother, for his birthright, he focused on physical things as the important things in life. He focused on physical blessings. He was impatient. He didn't want to wait on God. Didn't home on anybody yet. He wrestled with God. And he even changed his name from Jacob to Israel. We're going to talk a little bit about that. So what was Jacob's problem? Got any idea? He wanted to control his life. This is where I thought about having you raise your hands again. Anybody here trying to control your life? To be in control? Trying to manipulate people to do what you want them to do so that your life is in better control if they're doing what you think they should be doing, meeting your expectations? I think most of us have made those mistakes or similar mistakes. What I want to tell you today is one of the greatest truths that God has revealed to me and maybe already to you. We think that we can find our happiness in things apart from God. That's where somebody ought to say amen because it's a truth. We try to find our happiness apart from God. Does it work? What I want to tell you from my experience is that we cannot sustain any kind of success or any kind of happiness apart from God. Thank you. So I'm going to focus right now on Jacob's name change. It's the theme for the message I want to share today. His name change represents his going from Jacob, a man of independence, to Israel and dependence on God. Dependence, independence. Where are you? There's a continuum. Think of your life on that continuum. Independent, which is what the world teaches, doesn't it? To be independent. You got this, man. You don't need them. You don't need that. 
You got this. You can do this on your own. You got resources. You can Google it. Ah, there we go. So here he is, Mr. Independent, trying to control God. He even tried to manipulate God. Hmm. None of us have ever done that, I don't think. Can anyone here relate to any of this? Anyone here ever want to try to control people, places, or things? Again, I won't ask for a show of hands, but seek your own heart for the truth. So I'm going to tell a little bit about my story, a little self-disclosure. I'm going to be vulnerable here, and I'm okay with that because I trust you guys. I trust God more, but I trust you guys. So on, uh, well, actually about six months prior to March 2nd of 2018, I had made a decision that I was ready to retire. And there were a lot of thoughts, a lot of uh, angst, a lot of questions in my own mind. But I prayed about it. I really seriously prayed to God. And, and I felt like he was releasing me. And my brother Terry and I were just talking about this. And I had really felt a peace about it and a, and a comfort from God that it's okay. It's time. You know, you're not retiring from life. You're retiring from a job where you get up every day and go to work. And I had done that for 40 plus, probably close to, I actually started working when I was 12. So a lot of years I started working as a, a, a route, morning paper route carrier. Back in that day, folks, you didn't send your money in. I had to come knock on your door. I know they're in there. The cars are here. The lights are on. Got to come back another time. I would, Becky, you don't know this, but I would go to some people's houses 10 to 15 times to collect money, and they would get behind, and the, and the, the paper, newspaper people would tell me, drop them. I need customers. I can't drop them. So I'd just let them hang on. And I would have some people that would actually literally pay me two or three months late. Well, so I'm getting up every morning passing papers. I ain't getting paid. I'm still getting up, and I ain't getting paid. I'm 66 years old. But you know what? It's a good thing. God released me from that. But what happened was, to my surprise, I had a a little retirement party on March the 2nd, 2018. Saturday was March 3rd. Sunday was March 4th. It was all good. Monday, March the 5th. My wife got up and went to work. I'm sitting at home. I'm thinking, all my friends got up and went to work. I'm sitting at home. I'm by myself. Just me and God. Like, what did I do? And I, just to be perfectly honest with you, I had some physical issues going on. And uh, the negative thinking started. I'm like, I had this perfect storm. There was health health issues, I'm home alone, my wife's going to work, she won't be home till 3 or 3.30, I would start watching the clock about 8.30, <laughs> then I'd say, well, I could go to the Y, I would go to the Y, and I would take my time, I would socialize, my wife will tell you I'm a great socializer, that's how I know 95% of people, I ain't scared, I'll talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere, love to do that, love to get to know people and build relationships. So that would take up a couple hours. Then I'm home. <laughs> it's 11.30, 12 o'clock. I'm looking at the clock. 
She ain't going to be home for another three and a half hours. So then I made a list. She didn't make a list. I made a list to start doing things. And I'm a list taker. You know, I'm a little OCD, so I'm checking these things off. I ran out of things to do. I was a mess is what I'm trying to tell you. Keep it plain and simple. I thought, what have I done? I don't know that I was ready, but I felt like I was. Um, well, so March and April of 2018, I don't know if you all remember, but they were two of the nastiest, lousiest weather months that I can remember in my life. So I'm sitting at home. It's raining, snowing, wind blowing, worried about my health. Do I have cancer? Had to have a biopsy. I don't have a job. <laughs> Everybody's at work having fun, and I'm poor me. Yeah, poor me syndrome. That's the male version of PMS, in case you all didn't know it. Oh, yeah. Poor me. The poor me syndrome. Trust me. So, my story. I'm struggling. And um, what was revealed to me is that um, I had to make a choice at that point. Because God revealed to me that I was being Mr. Self-Reliant. I didn't think I was. It didn't seem like I was. I was in the Word. I'm reading and I'm I'm praying and I'm going to church. But was I fully relying and dependent on God? No. And what I what what I discovered was, and I'm going to ask you to check yourself, is God revealed to me that self-reliance is a form of idol worship. Come on, church. You hear what I said? Self-reliance is a form of idol worship. Thinking, I got this. I can do this. I'm Mr. Independent. I don't need them friends. They can go to work. Ha, ha, ha. I'm home sitting, being all depressed. Hmm. Yeah. Come on. So what I want to do is ask my brother Ryan, would you pop up that second slide right here? Because I believe that God allowed me to go through what I did go through to bring me back to the dependence that I needed to have. So this statement, and I think it's a pretty accurate statement, in the world's point of view, dependency is seen as immaturity. You're dependent? You're still on milk? Man, you must be a baby. Immature. In God's kingdom, which is the true kingdom, Dependence on him is seen as the prime measure of spiritual maturity. Can I get a witness? So in the world's view, to be independent, to Google, to trust Facebook, to trust those resources, doesn't work didn't work for me. When I turned back and gave my life completely, surrendered everything, everything and everybody about my life to God, putting Him first, changing my prayer life. He changed my prayer life. I used to tell people, I'm going to pray for you. And then if I remembered you, I would pray for you. That's not how you're supposed to do it. God revealed to me, put it down. You say you're going to pray for somebody, you put that on paper. I have a prayer list, and everyone that I've told I'm going to pray for them, I'm not taking them off until they tell me I don't need to be on your prayer list anymore. I haven't had anybody tell me that yet. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? 
So I found myself not just praying like I had in the past, but beginning to meditate or listen to God. Dependency on God changed my life. If you would have told me a year, year and a half ago that I'd be doing some of the things that I'm doing now in my life that God has opened doors for me to do and things for me to pray for and how He has changed, transformed. I thank Him. He got my attention. See, what happens is people come to God two ways, I believe. This is a Macoscovian theory, not necessarily a management in the Word of God, but my theory is that we come to God one of two ways, inspiration or desperation. Can I tell you what it usually is? Desperation. Can I tell you why that is? We are in the flesh. We depend on those resources. We become dependent on people, places, and things when all God wants us to do is depend on Him, fully rely on Him. He will provide the resources. He will direct our path. He will be with us. He will never forsake us or leave us. He will heal us. We have to put Him first and depend on Him. So I'm going to Pendleton Reformatory now. Uh, it's in Pendleton, Indiana. And I was on a board, New Leaf Mentoring, and long story short, next thing I know, I'm getting called to go do a fatherhood program. My brother Mike still used to try to get to me to go to prison, the prison ministry, Kairos, Miami County, and I would say, hmm, I don't think that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm working in the field of probation and corrections and employee assistance and And now you want me to give up my weekend to go talk to these guys? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, come on. So now I actually love going to prison. (laughs) Isn't that ironic? I'm going to Pendleton, and uh, there are 32 guys in a fatherhood program that love to see me. They appreciate me. They thank me. And I believe they love me. And they're coming to know Christ. They're becoming better fathers while they're in prison. And when they get out, they want to be better fathers, better husbands, better men. What a blessing. Slide number three. I ask Ryan, are they still called slides? I mean, like, I'm talking about Reader's Digest and all this, you know. Like, are they still slides? So forgive me if they're called something else. So I'm going to give you five, five points of view about trust. And I want you to think about each one of these in your times of pain, times of trial. Because what I'm going to share right now is the most important part of what I'm I'm bringing today. It's the Word of God. And God has given me these five points. And there are several scriptures, as you can see, attached the first one in each one of them. So if you have a pen and paper or if you've got a photographic memory, um, these are scriptures you want to look up when you're having a time of trial, when you're in that point of desperation, when you need to be dependent on God, call upon his word and it will reveal truth. 
It will reveal life-giving words of truth. It will fill you with hope, and it will fill you with the peace that only God can give. He is our source. Number one, trusting God when I don't understand. Hello. That's every day for me. I read the paper. I watch the news. I go to the why. I do what Becky tells me. Most of the time. Even when I don't understand, I'm going to trust God. So what I'm going to do is read to you one scripture from each one of these. And this this particular one, trusting God when you or I don't understand. Why am I going through this? Come on, God, why did this happen? I thought I was your child. I don't understand why I have to go through this. So he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 and verse 17, which is the last one listed there on the board. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, preplexed, not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And verse 17 says, For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all that stuff. Did you hear that? That Those are life-giving words, people. If you can't get excited about the Word of God, I'm not sure you can get excited about anything. Eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's why we trust God when we don't understand. Number two, trusting God's purpose. One of the greatest things that I learned and God gave me when I was working with young 18, 19, 20, 21, that age group, man, working with those young people when I was working in the probation department, I would invariably ask every one of them, what is your purpose? And nobody ever asked me that. What's your purpose in life? Do you know your purpose in your life? Are you secure in knowing what your purpose is? Are you fulfilling that purpose? How do you know what your purpose is? See, I went through this period when I retired. In that hard time, those couple months, March and April, where I'm like, what's my purpose? I'm redefined. I'm not getting up and going to work every day. I'm not bringing home a paycheck every Friday like I used to do. Have I given up my purpose? Did I let my work define who I was? Was that my purpose? To let my work define who I am? Y'all saying like, man, that dude really was messed up. You're right. I was, but I'm not now. I'm jacked up, but not as bad as I was jacked up back then, okay? Seriously. So trusting God's purpose. Most of us know this scripture, but are we walking in it? Romans 8.28 says, And we will know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called 
according to his purpose. You live in his purpose, you live in your purpose. Are they one and the same? I hope they're one and the same. Trusting God's purpose for your life. If you don't know what it is, pray and listen. God will reveal it. Get in the word, he will reveal it. Number three, trusting God to know best. Do you believe that today? Does God know what's best for you or do you know what's best for you? Or you listen to Facebook. They know what's best for you, I'm sure, right? Instagram, they can tell you. Messenger, they'll tell you if you can get on there. I don't know about Twitter because I never got on there. I tried. I got on Facebook. Told you I'm a mess. So look at those scriptures knowing how to trust God to know best. I'm going to read. I love this. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 15. When God, is, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no greater than him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And after waiting, anybody here like to wait? Mm. Y'all ought to raise your hand on that one. No, I want it now. I want it yesterday. Waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. I talked about Jacob. He didn't want to wait. He wanted to manipulate anybody, anything he could to get those blessings. And he did it to his own brother. Took his birthright. So I thought about this analogy. There's a parade coming up recent or coming up, right? Fourth of July parade. When I was a kid, we used to go downtown to the parades. It'd be 95 degrees in the shade. People were fighting over a shade, little trees, and trying to put their lawn chair under one of those shade trees to watch the parade. How much of that parade did I see when I was sitting in that chair in that spot under that tree on a street around the courthouse? I could only see what was going by me. God sees the whole parade, people. The beginning, the end, and the middle. He has a lot better view than we do. All we see is what's going on right now. Our focus is right there, seeing what's going by. God sees here, from here, and everything in between, as it is with our life. He has our life. He has our back. He is our source of life. He knows best. He sees our entire beginning and ending. He has created us for that purpose. All right, moving right along. Number four, trusting God's plan to be bigger than my plan. Hmm. Anybody here ever had a plan? This is what I'm going to do. I got this. Hmm. God knows I got this. I don't need to bother him with this one. It's my plan. I've thought it out. I've talked to people about it. People have said, that's a good plan. I'm going to go with that plan. Whoops. Did I pray about it? Like I said, I don't think I need to go to God with this one. That's trivial. He got bigger things to worry about than my plan. Guess what will happen? Back to what I said earlier. How long do you think that success is going to last if it's your plan and you don't include God in that plan? 
I might say, good luck. Hope God's blessings are on you, but you need to be in his plan, in his purpose. So what I did on this one, I took Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. And it says three times. Who's saying this? Paul, thank you. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Take what away? Thorn in his flesh. Thank you. But guess what God said? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. How many of you are boasting today about your weaknesses? As you know, hands go up or heads nodding. Try that. See what happens. Boast about my weaknesses because my weaknesses are when God steps in and I can depend on him to see me through. Therefore, let us boast about, gladly about our weaknesses. Not just boast about them, but gladly boast about them. There are cultures that are taught that way and they do that. Mm, not in the USA. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why we do that. So that Christ's power may rest on me and you. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. For when I was weak, he made me strong. When I was weak, I was in despair and desperate, and God healed me and brought me up out of it. So in insults, hardships, persecutions, any difficulty, when I'm weak, he is strong. Amen. All right, number five, last last one. Trusting God to be enough. Hmm. Trusting God to be enough. What does that mean to you? Is God enough? Do you think God is enough? I'm asking you. Do you think God is enough? Or do you need a car, a 401k that's solid and an individual Roth and, you know, and... and a nice house in a three or four car garage? Do you need to move to a better neighborhood, get a better car? Will that be enough? Need to be in a different relationship. I need to get some new friends on Facebook. My BFFs are letting me down. It ain't enough. No. Trust God to be enough, and guess what will happen? All these things will be added unto you. So Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23, listen to these words. For all have sinned, and all of us fall short of the glory of God, and we are justified freely by his grace. That's enough. Through the redemption, and that is by Jesus Christ. 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Is that enough? I think so. Thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, help us to receive it today. So I'm going to close with this story. I don't know what time it is or how long I've been talking. God said it's time. I'm going to listen, be obedient. So this story is about a guy, and you may have heard this story, and I think it's a true story, but I wasn't there. So I'm just going to tell it because I think it's a great story that it will illustrate what I'm trying to say, or what God's trying to say through me. So there's a dude. I, anybody been to Niagara Falls? Besides, I had the fortunate uh, 
I guess it was fortunate to get to go. I had a roommate freshman year or sophomore year? Sophomore year at Anderson College. Dude lived in Niagara Falls. I'm like, how many people do you know from Niagara Falls? And I got a roommate from Niagara Falls, and he invites me to go home with him one week. And I'm like, this is my chance. I've heard all about Niagara Falls. It's honeymoon, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I go to Niagara Falls in New York, and I got to go to the Canadian side. And they talked about there was a guy who put a tightrope across, I mean, You guys hear music? Is that just me? <laughs> Thought I was losing it. Oh, I didn't see you back there. Like, where did that? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I'm not sure it'll go along with the story, but we're going to go with it. So this dude would put a tightrope across, and he walked across this tightrope across Niagara Falls. And if you've seen it, I mean, you, I can't swim. I'm just going to tell you. That's not something that God has given. Megan, you're a great swimmer. Praise God. I'm not. I'm okay with it. I'll wear water wings if I have to. Or a vest. This dude walks across it. So then there's a crowd of people. And he's it's like, wow, that dude just walked. So he brings out a wheelbarrow. He says, how many of you people believe that I can now walk across the falls pushing this wheelbarrow? We believe. We've seen you do it. We know you can do it. Who will get in the wheelbarrow? Just like you guys, not a hand went up. We believe you can do it. I ain't getting in a wheelbarrow. God's asking to get in a wheelbarrow today, people. Huh? He's asking you to get in a wheelbarrow. Do you trust him? Do you fully rely? Are you dependent Upon God, or have you got this? Mm. When we choose to believe God, when we choose to believe God loves us in spite of our circumstances, in spite of who we are, in spite of our shortcomings, our faults, He will change us. He will transform us. He'll change your outlook. He'll change your perspective. He will give you all the hope, all the peace that you could ever want. You could ever. Famous philosopher, Lou Holtz. Y'all know who Lou Holtz is. I call him a famous philosopher because, man, that dude is a powerful speaker. He said, you want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. Good advice. You want to be happy for an hour? Or no, he said for an hour, eat a steak. You want to be happy for a day, play golf. Becky. Lou Holtz said it. You want to be happy for a week? Go on a cruise. You want to be happy for a lifetime? Fully trust in Jesus. Be dependent on God. May we all receive him now. Father God, thank you. Lord, you bless me beyond anything I could ever deserve. God, I pray for every heart here today. Lord, okay, there's altars here. We don't do altar calls here anymore. 
But God, if somebody needs you today and they want you in their life today and they want to be more dependent on you, I pray, God, that they would give their heart, their mind, their soul, their spirit, everything up to you and depend on you today, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this message. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.